Hello, all, and welcome to the Making a Difference for Us podcast. I'm your host, Margo, and I'm joined today by Kevin, Edwin, and Christine, and today we will be talking about foreign policy. Today, we will be starting out with Kevin with our first three questions, which are, should foreign policy be only about American interests, including what should be our guiding principles for U.S. foreign policy? How should our foreign policy change over time and what should be our focus when considering those changes? And finally, does our foreign policy align with or understand the global priorities? Well, thanks, Margo. Uh, wow, that first one's a kind of tough one, you know, when I really look at it. So I had to go back to saying, what is a policy? And I had to go to look at the dictionary. And it says, is, is a meaning of guiding our organization to a desired outcome. And so when we're looking at should foreign policies only about American issues, I said yes and no. It comes down to who's running the country at the time. It's the interpretation of what foreign policy should be and how do we support it and push that. I want to use the two presidents. I think it depends on what side of the aisle you are and how you view their, their politics. I look at President Obama versus Trump. Two different individuals when you're talking about foreign policies and should it be only about American issues. Well, the goal of the U.S. foreign policies is to provide a national security, encourage international trade, foster world peace, and promote democracy and human rights. Damn, that's a lot of words right there. But if you look at those two presidents, how do we really determine should foreign policies be only about American issues? We can debate that because in my eyes, Trump has a whole total different perspective when you're talking about President Obama when you're dealing with though when we're talking about foreign policies and interests you know you can use the example that when he was there to continue to show that video where he almost puts the guy on the ground because he wants to be first so sometimes i'm looking at that that's why i'm saying should it be yes it no depends on who's leading the country and when i look at one who basically sees it what's in it best for me or the one who wants to look at it once again it's a debatable conversations around that piece but I really believe, once again, going to that definition of what a policy is, is a means of guiding an organizations to a desired outcome. And what does that mean? And what should our um, guiding principles for U.S. policies look at? I think foreign policy, once again, should protect the territorial integrity of the country and protect the interests of its citizens, both within and outside the country. So once again, that's my interpretation of that guiding principle, because sometimes we look at principles and values and everything aligns with that piece. But if we stick true to that guiding principle, we should be able to, no matter sits in that office, drive and making sure because it's we other people, not that individual. In today's global market, there's everything we're trying and to look at because you look at how does it impact our GDP? How does it look at the safety of the world? Our stewardships when it comes to holding ourselves accountable for the well-being of others especially when the U.S. is always there when there's emergency response around the world. We're there. We're first one. We're applying in and trying to figure out. We got in individuals in this country today on their own dime and on their way to Ukraine to help. You know, you listen to some of the, the famous uh, uh, chefs around the world. They understand the value of hunger, and they're putting everything in their pocket to feed those individuals. So those some of the things when you're talking about foreign policies, it should be the foreign, not really a policy of it, interests of mankind, you know, and sometimes we do impede on that about our own personal what's in it for me mentality. And should a pol policies change over time? Strongly, policy should change over time. Because right now we've had many things and debates over our two seasons. We talked about BLM, which was a world movement started here. 
abortion. Oh, my God. Let's talk about abortion globally. Okay, we talked about um, global warming, military, immigration, taxes, healthcare, and judges. If we step back there and still think them, you know, of 1876 or 1619, all those pieces when we're talking about 1619, when the first slave ship came here to the U.S., could you not think about the foreign policies if we still thought about that mentality that slavery is okay, 1619 to 2020? God darn, we have evolved. Also, remember that major thing that the American always talk about, the American dream. That American dream is seven simple words that has given this country the beacon. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That has evolved, allows us to look at how our foreign policies look because there's a lot of people. We're still the number one country in immigrants coming to this country because of those seven words. And does our foreign policies align with our understanding and global priorities? Well, I got basically, I kind of broke it down into five depends. It depends first who is in the office as a president of the United States. It depends on he or her or well, his or her election platform at that time. So whatever you, you know, once again, the platform like your memory trust, build the wall, okay? Then there was the other president, didn't talk about building a wall. He tried to build relationships with those countries, but the same guidance of making sure we control our borders. It depends on how the global market is doing. When we get into a recession or a depression, you know, all those things are gonna impact our global market and what's in the best interest of our pri um, pri priorities. It depends on war. Okay, look back at all our wars. Global prior, pri, um, priorities have changed from that sense. It depends on who we choose to put resources in those particular situations. A lot of things tie into place. So to me, it is the cornerstone on how we want to look at mankind and how do we look at our interests and who's driving the ship at the time. And everything comes back to that one simple thing about the American dream. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Margo, those are the points that I want to focus on, and I'd love to continue that debate about how our foreign policies align with it. Is it our interests or an individual's interest who is driving the ship? Thanks, Margo. Thank you, Kevin. And Edwin, if you'd like to go ahead and give us your thoughts on today's questions. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, thanks, Kevin. It's good, good point you made. Uh, should foreign policy be about American interests? I think American foreign policy should certainly be about American interests. You know, U.S. foreign policy is, you know, should be more about American interests, less about being the world's police as far as the U.S. What should our guiding principles be for foreign policy? Look, foreign policy has always been about U.S. protection for a country and its citizens, no matter where they are. And I think we just both agree on that, Kevin. Um, you know, protecting our allies. We have to protect our allies. So our, protecting our allies help uh, continue to give us access to international resources and markets. That actually helps balance world power. So without foreign policy and without protecting our allies and protecting the American interests, no matter where we are, we put ourselves at risk. So if you look at that, how should our foreign policy change over time and what should our focus be when considering those changes? You know, again, it's American interest. So when you think about American interests around foreign policy, we need to make sure we're promoting more U.S. business and economic interests abroad, reevaluate what's important, for American advancement and peace. And more importantly, how does that align with the with the current priorities? Well, back to what Kevin said, it all depends on who's in office, what presidential platform is running. And if you look at the two different parties, typically speaking, when one of Republicans in office, we typically surround foreign policy around open free market, 
uh, strong military presence. And when the Democrats are in office, we typically look at climate change and some of the other things that are, that are uh, a little bit more of a priority on that platform. So if you look right now, 70% of what we talk about in the, the uh, foreign policy category today has to do with climate change. Well, it's hard to talk about American interests, climate change, when we have a shrinking military and what the shrinking military it means we are less powerful offshore than we've ever been before and how are we going to protect our american interests when we can't deploy and employ the right military so uh that's what i have on that i'm looking forward to having a round table discussion because i think we have some similarities but we still have some differences there Thank you, Edwin. And finally, Christine, if you'd like to go ahead and give us your thoughts on today's questions. Thanks, Margo. And thanks, Kevin and Edwin, for your, for your two cents. Um, should American, should foreign policy be only about American interests? And what should our guiding principles be? Um, well, I think that it's kind of second nature for most Americans to consider what's in it for them and how am I going to benefit from something? And um, and I think that that has been the foundation of some of our, most of our foreign policy over the years. Um, I don't think that that is the, the best way to go. I think we need to put more effort into considering how our foreign policy affects um, the rest of the world. Um, and humanity itself, the safety of humanity can play a role in the safety of the U.S., which doesn't interpret to me that we need more military presence. I don't think that's necessarily it. Um, abroad, like Edwin was mentioning, or even just having them at the ready to go abroad, I think that we need to consider um, some more preventative measures like conflict prevention, um, maybe more accountability and keep uh, peacekeeping kind of first. And maybe that sounds a little utopian. However, I, I'm not convinced that those have been at the forefront of our considerations for how we interact with the rest of the world. Um, should our foreign policy change over time? Oh, absolutely. Uh, like Kevin mentioned, we, we have evolved. I think we have a lot, <laughs> I think we have more that we could change and put into place, but we've shown that we, that it's important to adjust our foreign policy over time. And, and that goes back to the considerations of what else is going on in the world. Again, like Kevin mentioned, um, the, are, is there war? Is there famine? Are there other natural disasters going on? Um, without necessarily, yes, keep an eye on the, the bigger picture of the world, but I'm not encouraging the, I'm not encouraging us to forget about what the American needs are for the people and our American interests. I think that there could be a way to take care of the American people and then also um, reaching out and extending a hand when we can. Um, I think it was Edwin that mentioned we don't need to necessarily be the world police, and I am 100% about that. We don't need to be. Um, it's not our way or the highway for the rest of the world. We already, um, we already operate in that way, our way or the highway, I think, in this country, um, in, depending on which president's in, in office. Um, and our way, meaning like, one side or the other, um, whether it's Democratic or Republican, it's kind of like, well, if you don't align with these values, then you're going to be ousted. And I don't think that we need to, I don't think having that same mindset um, externally to other, to other nations around the world is going to help us or serve us at all. However, I think that we need to consider what we can offer 
um, as far as support and peacekeeping measures. As long as we're not taking away from, as, not, as long as we're not putting Americans kind of at risk for something. And we may have differences in opinion about what that looks like, um, how to protect citizens in America, but, um, but I don't think it's going to be war and, or excuse me, military presence. And I don't think that it's kind of like our or the highway. We just need to be a helping hand when we can be without being the world police. Um, do our foreign policies align with or um, the other global priorities? Well, yes and no. Like I mentioned, it depends on who's in office um, and it's the interpretation of what the global priorities are. And I think that there's no blanket answer for that one. Um, there are a lot of factors to consider. Thanks, Margo. Thank you, Christine, Edwin, and Kevin. Now transitioning into our roundtable, I would like to provide a little thought for discussion. Um, should we be evaluating and changing our foreign policy as often as we change our own laws to account for changes and progression in our own of culture? <laughs> no doubt. Once again, we have to evolve. You know, we're starting to get better educated in the field of how we look at things. Can you imagine if we didn't evolve and look at that piece and try to hold ourselves accountable for actions? Once again, and I'm going to go back to that definition of what policies is, is the meaning of guiding of what our desired outcome wants to be, you know, when we're looking at this piece and we're starting to look at things and saying, does it work or doesn't work? But if you can't with that mentality, you know, everything we've been talking about is debating is change as we start looking at that. So, you know, that's as that one was talking out and I, and I put it too, because I talked about two different uh, presidents and one being a Democrat and one being a Republican. But once again, it doesn't matter where you sit, it still needs to go back to what this country was about, you know, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness and how we define that. And that's why we are into this point today with this country. The question is, is how the rest of the world is starting to see us, you know, from this side. And right now, if we sit there and say 20 years ago, are we the same country or even 50 years ago or what? That's the point that I'm really concerned about when we're looking through the lens of other people, because we have become very, like you said, polarized. So I'll throw that on the table for anyone else to, to start talking about how do we want to look at our policies and how it imp impacts motherland here, mother country. You know, because I guarantee that's where the rest of the world looks at it is mother country first and the rest of you can go to hell. But, you know, at this point in time, we're seeing this right now today with Ukraine. OK, how do we sit? How do we manage that piece? What's going to be next? So and those are foreign policies because it right now gas prices are going up, food around here. Now we're talking about, you know, it could be an issue with food coming forward. So once again, once that starts impacting our back door, something's going to happen. Just want, I'd love to hear from you guys. That's what I'm saying. Hell yeah, that's, that has to change and evolve. Hey, Kevin, I, I heard saying, and I, I hear what Christine was saying too, you know, she prefers conflict prevention. You know, we also deal with a lot of conflict resolution too. So, you know, there's a fine line between the two. Mm -hmm. Typically, the conflict prevention has to do with something that you expect to happen anyway. And a lot of times we get into those conflicts, so we have to resolve it. Now, today, with the whole Ukrainian thing, we don't, you know, we're doing our part, but part of that is, do we have a real strong military presence there? Maybe we do, maybe we don't. But part of the conflict prevention had to do in the past with having a 
viable threats sitting, sitting, ready, and waiting. Today, we don't seem to be that much of a threat. So when we look at foreign policy, are we, have we backed down to the point where, you know, we are not seen as a, as a threat or as a, as a, a conflict prevention or conflict resolution? Because we've kind of removed ourselves from a lot of the conflicts. Well, you talked about military presence and strength. And this is where we're talking about Ukraine. I don't believe military presence or strength has nothing to do with Ukraine when it comes to, once again, our policies. And, you know, as we're looking at our foreign policy, Ukraine and Russia, you know, we're, we're sitting back watching where do they cross the line when it starts to become the U.S. interests of the people. You know, are we going to be dragged in? Because if you look back at all our wars, we kind of start waiting to see what happens. And then we jump in because if you look back at, you know, Afghanistan, all those pieces came to our door because we talked about uh, um, terrorists within our homeland. Right now, there's nothing that's aligning us to really jump into that squabble between Russia and Ukraine. So that's between them two. So once again, we're sitting back. We're providing aid and support. We're not happy to do that. But when we say the muscle and the power right now, what scares me most is not about nuclear war, it's cyber attack and all the other things that we can actually do. How do we defend about around those aspects? So when you're talking about cyber attacks, that's changing our policies because we didn't think about this 20, 30 years ago. OK, and so you're looking at that big this debate about, oh, Russia was involved in our politics. Do we know that to be true or not? No one's going to say that. Maybe 20 years from now, when the papers come up, we really know. So there's a lot of things that we have to adjust our policies around cyber attacks. I don't know what the next 30 years is going to take. Is it cyber attack or what other those pieces that we have? Because our, our lives are changing. Technology is changing. You know, our sciences are changing. So we're evolving. And if you can honestly imagine, cannot agree with that and looking at how we are adapting to to those those actions that we are generating, we should we would be kidding ourselves, guys. Come on. Think about that. And it, to me, I still believe in that love, not war. Okay. And that's, that's once again, that's a Democrat side. If you want to sit back there, but I don't know what Republican would argue that. Let me have my guns and, you know, battleships and all this stuff at the end of the day. That is nothing to deal with love, not war, because that's really the right state. Because everybody wants to be able to protect our loved ones. And I guarantee when we ship people over, sons and our daughters, there is when they're going to war, no one's sitting there saying, oh, shit, you're a Democrat and Republican. No, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how I'm saving my ass so I can get back home. So there's a lot of pieces right now. We got to start understanding that we're sending Republicans and Democrats to fight a war that sometimes we don't need to be in. And so that's the challenge I want to talk about with foreign policies at the end of the and day. And I'm there, too. Like, I, you know, where where do we best serve? OK, if we're talking about the war in Ukraine. Um, for an example, are we best served to go over there and fight? Are we best served to um, take care of the American people for now and just prepare for immigrants? Because we have a history of welcoming immigrants, right? You know, our neighbors are here from Afghanistan um, with the region, recent tragedy that's been gone, going on over there. You know, they're, they're, where are we going to best serve the, this, these global tragedies? And how, what, at what cost for the American people? Like I have that as a consideration too. You look at our, our own nation, you know, where there's student debt that people can't stop talking about, right? There are people going hungry and yes, the food prices are going to keep, going to be, keep going up. They're the high, like chicken in itself right now is the highest it's ever been. 
And what does that mean for restaurants? What does that mean for you know the consumers? What does that mean for our whole our whole country? And then, so I don't I don't have a right answer. I'm going to say that right now. I don't have like the the way to solve this, but the considerations to to keep in mind, I guess, are are what I'm bringing up. Um, I don't think that I don't, I can't imagine how hard it could be, honestly, to think about how to prepare for cyber attacks or what's going to be the next thing that someone's going to come up with and create that is going to infiltrate our country and that we're going to that's going to create some issues um I, I that seems quite challenging do we need to put efforts into it probably does that mean we need to pull back efforts from the military i don't know probably or there's a lot to consider with all of this um but i still stand by my things to keep in um, keep in mind the conflict pre prevention. If we're going to go in and support uh, other nations that are having challenges, whatever they might be, how can we create more of a locally led development or project, like meaning that country itself, we might aid in some way, but it's led by that country instead of us coming in and trying to take over and tell people how to run things, how to solve other issues. Um, and then if we're going to put that, if we're going to put our American people at stake, what accountability are we going to hold these other countries to that we're jumping in to help? Because there has to be accountability too. I can't, we can't just keep jumping all over the world, not keep, I can't, we just can't get into that habit of jumping all over the world, trying to um, just put band-aids all over and solve all these issues if the accountability isn't there. Um, and ultimately, how can we keep the peace? Which again, may sound a little utopian, but we have been, in my opinion, in more of an aggressive country, um, not just assertive, but aggressive. So how can we maybe flip the switch a little bit and think of what those preventative measures? And when it comes to those uh, cyber attacks, that I'm clueless about. I have no insight there. I have no experience. I have no insight. It sounds, um, it's just not something I'm familiar with enough. Well, I can tell you the whole cyber attack thing, it's just an opportunity for more IT jobs, more more of these these kids that are uh, uh, super employed by 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 doing things on computers and 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 you know they hire people to do all the hacking and 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 test all the systems. So it's an opportunity for, as far as future goes, definitely opportunity for people to come up and and come up with preventative ways to keep that from happening. And when you're talking about foreign policy, you're talking about American history or American interests. What's going on in Ukraine and and Russia? There's a lot of American interests there. Think about it. It's affecting us today. It's affecting gas prices. It's affecting food prices because of the gas prices. You know, when hamburgers nine bucks a pound for ground beef here in Palm Beach, man, when it was like five dollars a pound a little bit over a year ago now, it's ridiculous. It's kind of crazy. Well, that kind of comes back into it when you're talking about money and about our interest and 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 tying into how are we self. You know, we're self-efficient when we're looking at those pieces. And so when, when you're trying to drive that, when you one minute, everything's good and you're allowing that opportunity to happen. And all of a sudden it takes one person to disrupt that supply chain. And like I said, I want to challenge everyone on this one, because like you said, I want experts. I want people around to start talking about it versus what their theories or whatever. It all comes back down to the old mighty buck. How does it impact me? Because life is good when dollar, you know, gas was, you know, for here in California under four bucks. Now it's up to seven bucks, you know, in some, some areas. 
you know, and even what that doesn't really matter. Cause if you're in Michigan right now, I think you guys are at $2 a gallon. Now you're what pushing close to three. What's the price of gas, Christine? We just dropped down to three ninety eight. And you were probably shitting bricks at that point in time, right? The three ninety eight. No, but <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean, that. it's a drastic increase. But you think right. about some of the folks like they might like, oh, it's only a few dollars, right? I'm in a point of privilege where it's not impacting me the way that I can see it impacting other people. If I was more restrained financially, then perhaps this the jump, like, well, if I only had $10 or $20 to a lot for food, or if I had a lot for gas or whatever it might be, and then all of a sudden everything is, is jumping up in price, then now I may be at a point where I need to choose between um, getting to work or feeding my family. And maybe the bus route is an option. You know, there's just a lot of considerations taking place. So when I think about foreign policy and how we jump in um, to, to support other countries, I like, you know, I like offering a helping hand. I also know that we have a responsibility to take care of um, our citizens as well, the American people and the, in the immigrants and everyone who is living on this land right now. Well, <laughs> What's the cost to the American people when we choose to insert ourselves in matters outside of the country. Well, I, I got one question for that one though. Okay, when we're looking at the consumers in the industry price, right now gas is where it's at. Once they say everything settles in Ukraine, everything goes. What is your opinion about gas, gas coming down? Because we looked at COVID and when COVID hit, you know, how much was the price of toilet paper when COVID hit? And what the price- Couldn't find it. Couldn't, couldn't find, find it. it. And once it hit the market, it started coming back. And I was like, you know, some of the stuff was like 12 bucks where I used to get it for like $6. And so the, once again, it is, as the industry looks at it, go, well, people are still paying $10. Why should I drop it down to what it was two years ago? Okay. Mm -hmm. And so one of my questions with this oil thing, um, well, it actually dropped back to where it was that we're used to seeing it at. Well, it dropped two bucks. Or would greed take that price because, the, you know, people are paying for it. And then you look at right now, go try to buy an electric car. What is the cost of an electric car now when the oil price is shot up? All cars are 20, 30 percent up. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How, how is that shit actually impacting the, the, the car dealership now and trying to get an electric car? So I understand business, demand and supply. Yeah. But yeah. when do you start, you know, pimping out because you can actually have that leverage because people go, oh, yeah, I'll spend the extra 20 grand for for electric car because my price is here. And guess what? They're writing the check for that. That's some crazy shit. I don't know about what you guys are talking about. You know, well, that's, that's where we got to have, uh, whether it's a foreign policy, American policy, we got to right. have some, you know, as a country, we have a fiduciary responsibility back to the citizens of this world, and that is to make sure things are fair. Right. And I think, you know, the, what's gas going to happen? What's going to happen to gas when this stuff gets resolved? Who knows? You know, because we're right now in this country's in a, in a, in a situation where we're, we've got inflation going out of the roof for everything, whether it's cars, groceries, anything, house, housing, everything's gone out of the roof. So it's a. Uh... So it's a Republican. Okay. You've seen everything going up because they're talking about giving you no know, subsidies because of gas to those individuals who couldn't support it. I can imagine that's price. You know, you're probably just turning upside down to hearing that we're going to give, you know, more subsidies to people for gas. And that's, you know, how do you feel as a Republican on that aspect because of Ukraine? And now it's hitting those those values that you said, hey, I got a job for you. I'll help you out. But all of a sudden, they're talking about writing a check to help those individuals. Well, I think, you know what? Most places, most metropolitan areas have public transportation that's a lot cheaper than there you go. That's $5 worth of gas in your car. 
Right. But then again, I guarantee that that bus ride now has jumped up, you know, so I'm not going to ride. So how all of a sudden my kid gets sick, I'm trying to get home and I've been using the bus system. So it's just not about public transportation. It's also the convenience and all those other pieces that we get comfortable for. So, you know, once again, if you're not in that area that doesn't have public transportation, Christine can tell you about Gobos and areas that don't have public transportation. Well, how, how do you think they're getting around, Christine? Um, probably more mindfully. Yes. With their budgets in mind. <laughs> yes, but that's changing that because someone overseas has decided to take a shit in someone's backyard and now we're faced with that problem. See what it is? Mm -hmm. And it's that trip trickle down effect. And so, like I said, at one's perspective is jump on the transportation. Well, if you don't have that infrastructure, then it doesn't take place. And then we talk about infrastructure. Guess what? It costs us American people to try to figure out how do we get strong infrastructures in place. Well, it causes you to think about it. Maybe you can go out and do some ride share. You can do yeah. carpool, whatever it is. But yeah, I'm, you know. I get you. But there's, there's, a, there's a more of a solution than just throwing money at it. So. I know, no doubt. But we don't look at and, that. Hey, and you know what? When we had our, when we talked about how much money we spend as a country, we take in what was it? Uh, I think we 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 pay out six point eight trillion dollars, and we only take in four point three trillion dollars. So the more money we just keep giving out, the bigger debt we we create that we can never recover from. We well, on to... that note too, like pulling money from say the military and investing in education. I, you know, we were just talking about how um, all the IT folks, like we need IT folks then to help with um, cyber attacks and all these things. Well, if the education isn't there, then where else are we going to find these other IT folks? Oh yeah, that's right. We're going to rely on immigrants. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're going to rely on the immigrants to fill in the gap instead of you know increasing the spending for our um, national education system. You know, it's um, and and really what we're talking about. I can pull from every episode. I think so far that pretty much every episode we've had so far, foreign policy affects everything that we've talked about, and so how we choose to act outwardly is going to affect our home base and how we how we prioritize our home base when thinking about the current conflict with ukraine and russia do you think the u.s is more concerned about how the conflict is affecting americans instead of how the invasion of ukraine by russia is a violation of the united nations and considered a crime under international law which is causing thousands of innocent lives to be lost i would look at it from the sake of the ukrainians and they're losing their lives okay until we can understand that because what every i think this is my perspective is russia is dealing with like you said a nuclear attack could that actually impact that piece how far is he going to go within ukraine is he going to spread that out so when you're looking at the world population and i hate to say it but ukraine is at that point of determining is it worth a country or the or the world and that's why I think some of the things when you're looking at this policy when do we just determine if the rest of the world or should it be off the backs and labors of Ukraine? So that's just my perspective. Well, and your question, Margo, uh, thanks, Kevin. But uh, your question, you know what? I think it's timing. I think at the beginning of all this, we thought a lot about the Ukrainian people and how, how, we, how can we effectively help the Ukrainian people? And I believe we were very much on the humanitarian effort on figuring out how we can help, whether it's food, whether it's ammo or whatever we, whatever we could provide that was not a violation of our UN sanctions. So want to uh, go fast forward to where we are now. Now I think we're talking about how is this really affecting the American people? Before we were concerned how it affected Ukrainian people. 
So since we're getting some of the, the, the financial effects and, and some of the things that are affecting us on our daily basis now, I think the focus has shifted. So I think we're having a different, we have a different opinion on what we need to do. And I think we're searching on how we can help resolve this issue because now I think people are seeing how it's affecting Americans versus how it's just affecting Ukrainians. I think I agree with Edwin too. It's, we were very much on, on the humanitarian side. It's, it's heartbreaking. You don't want to see any suffering, um, unnecessary suffering. And I, you know, I wonder if part, if we were just waiting to see what would happen to like, okay, first, like the, what's going on right now is Ukrainians are being affected right now. Um, how long is this going to last? What else is Putin going to pull out of his ass? And, you know, and then now that it's been going on and escalating, we're seeing more and more civilian casu- casualties over there. It's disgusting. And the rest of the world is um, starting to be impacted more by the war. So I think it's, I agree that it's shifting a little bit, but I don't think that means we are, um, that we're forgetting about the Ukrainian people either. I think that's still really heavy in our hearts and how can we support. Um, And I appreciate that, unless I'm misunderstanding something, someone please correct me. I appreciate that we are not sending all of our troops over, sending these mass amounts to go fight a war that we didn't start and that we didn't get invited to. The whole world's going to be affected by this. There's there's no question. Um, but the fact that we're not sending the military and that is our that not hasn't been our first response. Um, I I don't know if hopeful is the right word because it doesn't really feel like a lot of hope around that situation. But when I'm thinking about the American people, um, I think that's a good move. I'm, I'm looking at my my whole point is that last sentence about what she asked about is violating the UN UN and considered a, a criminal a crime under international law. So what if we know that it's actually been um, done? What is our actions? And so once again, that's what I'm saying. We don't want to jump in there. We're identifying it as being a, an act of crime. But at what circumstances will we jump in and get all the UN troops there? I know they're there to a, a limit capacity. But once again, it, we're, we're on that thin line of, are we willing to try to determine what is in Putin's head, right? And so that's, that's to me, still the question. It's, it's not about that. And he's gonna keep pushing that until he decides either, you know, he's pushed it too far, or we now have World War III. So once again, I don't know what that looks like, but like you said, when you put that policy in place, and most of the times you're looking at that policy means one thing, but the act on that policy is totally different. And so to me, that's where I'm hedging my bet that that's why we're walking on the line, just taking, it doesn't matter about the lives and how sad it is, is now they're trying to determine when is the right time and what could be some of those ramifications of the cause and effects if you take that piece. So Well, and is it our responsibility to then, you know, the, the UN's there for a reason. Like, what is our responsibility? Is that if we jump in in a way, um, like if we go after Putin or do something else with Russia? I mean, we're not we're not trying to build relations with Russia. You know, we're not like offering olive branches. So I think in that sense, of course, we are understanding and appreciating the violation that's going on here. However, if the U.S. goes in and puts more effort or just huge efforts in, then are we undermining the UN? Are we acting as the world police? I don't know. Well, um, that's, that's the UN. The US is the world police. It's the starting point. 
And we yeah. put money and we yeah. put our troops in there. It's, the UN is everybody's putting it in at a low magnitude. That's yes. Yeah. So once again, we're looking at lives in the UN to manage that. So if we're blindly thinking that the UN and those troops and those laws, we created that UN agreement. We are part of that. We're putting money into it. That was one of the things that Trump was talking about. We're putting in too much money. He wanted to take that out and have everyone be a part of that. So when we look at that, we've created that foreign policy. And now since it's in place, what does that really mean when we say UN and it's under, you know, he's broken a law under those policies? To me, it's like, oh, it has to have a value. It has to have a behavior. has to be something driven behind it. You just don't do that saying, oh, I have this policy here, folks, but I'm not going to act on it because, oh, shit, I got a nut job who's actually ready to push the button. Okay, so to me, there's a lot of things that we have to look at on those policies. If it doesn't make sense, if there's an end value, you're putting money in it, what purpose does it show? And I'm not, I don't have the answer. But when we're talking about UN, realizing that it's everybody who's under the UN is putting some sort of resources to making sure those things are not taking place. Hey, the, the crazy thing is we've gotten this far <laughs> because the expectations was this was going to be a two to three day war. It's a two plus month war now, right? So I think every every action has a reaction. So what's happening now is everybody's waiting for the reaction from the rest of the world. And we're not sure how to react because nobody wants to have World War Three. Well, great. Okay, now look at World War II when Germany invaded Poland, okay? Everyone knew that, okay? But it was not impacting me. And then everything except taking a little bit more, a little bit more. And then you, when you're talking about the concentration camps, he was starting to settle stuff around that piece. No one sat there and people in Germany knew what was going on. Guarantee everyone else knew what he was doing. But once again, close blind eye. It doesn't impact me. All those things, if you sit there and look at what's going on now, what is the difference from 1940 to 2022 with Ukraine? I think we all agree that foreign policy should evolve as we continue to evolve and i think this uh this segment that we did today i think it was an eye-opener for a lot of people i think one of these things that we try to do is share some commonalities and from this conversation i can see a lot of commonalities but i also can see where there's some you know still some subtle differences but i also think there are differences that'll, that'll always be there not just between us but between the two parties but i think they're ones worth talking about and working around so Thank you all for your input on today's roundtable and now transitioning into closing statements. And Kevin, if you'd like to go ahead and start. Well, once again, I have to thank Edwin and Christine and Margo for this. We also have to remember that I think when we're talking about the U.S. and how the rest of the world sees us, it kind of comes back to those simple seven words that was came from Thomas Jefferson about the American dream, that liberty and life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And that has been a mantra that I think a lot of people believe in and what does that take? And it takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of money and it takes a lot of great smart people to start looking at that piece. So as we're looking at foreign policies, foreign policies definitely impact domestic policy. And it depends on who's sitting in that chair that those items as we talk about foreign policies and domestic policies all line up and making sure that once again, as American, who sits back there, who actually is the, the reason why we have our government is because it's for the people, not by government. Well, we need to start educating ourselves to making sure we understand what are the premises or the, the goals of foreign policies and how does that impact our d domestic policies and how does that affect 
our state and local communities. So there is a domino effect that's gonna impact us one way or another when we're looking at those pieces. So when you're electing an official, you have to also elect the officials on his knowledge on foreign policies, not his presumption or his understanding. He needs to have that skill set because now you're on the global market as a global leader, not just a domestic leader. And one of the things as we continue to go forth is how do we put our presence? How does it impact our GDP? How does that impact our education? And how does that impact our businesses and industries around the world? Because this is no longer a flat, um, we are a flat world in the sense that everything is dependent on each other. So with that said, thank you so much for this time. I wish you, you know, feedback to move forward as we talk about, I would love other people's opinions on this uh, uh, podcast today. Thanks, Margo. Absolutely, thanks, Kevin and Mario. Um, you know, Kevin made a couple of points, and one of the things is, when you look at foreign policy, really dive into it and understand how does that affect you as an individual and i think you know we're too we're too shallow as a country as far as what we look at we always have this whole thing not in my backyard not here it happens everywhere else but as you can see even if it doesn't happen even if the war is not right here on our on our on our turf a war somewhere else can affect our day-to-day -day lives, even on foreign ground. So if you're listening to our podcast, and you're saying, hey, you know what? These guys are full of shit, or they've got good things to say. I'd love for you guys to get on and join us and, and share your philosophy, because we don't know everything, and we're all open to listen. But in the short term, listen to podcasts. Think about how this all affects you, how it affects your family, and realize war doesn't have to be here. It can be somewhere else, but yet still affects you. That's all I have. Thank you, Edwin and Christine. If you'd like to go ahead and give us your closing statement for today. Absolutely. Thanks, Margo. Thanks, Kevin. Um, and thanks, Edwin. This is a really great discussion. Um, this is not a topic that I am super saturated with information on. It hasn't been in the forefront of many things. Um, and it's this has been enlightening and also just just awesome. I think that we are I think that we are evolving over time. Our foreign policy, our foreign policy is evolving over time, uh, which is necessary. And I really love Edwin's call to the listeners to consider how how not just our individual actions, but our actions as a nation um, affect the individuals within this nation. How we choose to interact with the rest of the world has an immediate impact on us. I do think that other nations kind of look to us as far as what next steps might be or what is the U.S. going to do and then we might follow suit or what is the U.S. going to do and then we're going to react whether they support our decision or not support our decision. Um, but I do think that we've positioned ourselves to be a, a, a country that leads right around the world. Um, however, I don't think that it is always our responsibility to go in and clean up after everyone. Um, I love accountability. I love accountability. And if we are going to offer helping hands, then I, if the accountability is there, then I think that we should continue to do that. Um, I also think we should consider that our way is not always the right way, which I think is what this podcast is all about too. We have our experiences, we have our opinions, we have our 
um, expertise that we bring. And we bring in other experts and specialists to, to share their, their insights, which is phenomenal. Um, and it's been really cool to be a part of this podcast. I will kind of end this also saying that I am stepping away. Um, we are expanding our family again, uh, welcoming another baby in October. And um, just as our foreign policy should evolve, so should my commitments evolve <laughs> to meet the needs of the family and just what's going on. So um, this has been an unexpected gift to participate in these discussions. It's not anything that I thought I would ever participate in. And um, my heart goes out to the group. My heart goes out to Kevin. It's been really strange calling him Kevin because he's been my high school track coach and he's always just coach blue to me. So um, the fact that I was asked to participate by a coach of mine says, well, you know what? I better step up and show up. So um, I hope that I have stepped up and showed up in these two seasons and um, it isn't an easy decision to step away, but it doesn't always mean forever. And um, we'll see what the next several seasons have and maybe I'll show up in a few years as a more regular person. And uh, thank you all for your support and these honest and open and respectful conversations um, are sometimes hard to come by. So I really value that as well. Thanks everyone. Thank you, Christine, and thank you, Edwin and Kevin. If you've not listened to our last episode on LGBTQ plus rights, I implore you to go back and don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you decide to join us on, whether it is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Our website that can be reached at madforus.org. Mm-hmm.